Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Two Saints podcast show today with myself, Mark C, and my co-host, Mark H. How are you? How are you? Mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm doing all right, mate. Um, I hope everybody's keeping safe and well and looking forward, irrespective of Monday's result, looking forward to the festivities on Sunday. Absolutely. Well, it is a semi-final and it is the FA Cup, so the great leveller, as they call it. I'm not sure if it's a great leveller for us, but we'll find out. But, um... Got over the disappointment of what happened on Monday? No. No, I don't think anyone has actually. And then um, it's not not great preparation for a semi-final of the cup, is it? Um, really not, mate. To be fair, I mean, look, look. The one the one thing that I will say, and I know we're going to get into it in a minute when we do the review of the game, is that for me, I have been a constant Ralph supporter. I'm still a constant Ralph supporter. But yeah. what I would say is, in the summer, and I've given it a great deal of thought, I'd like yeah. to see a bit of a shake-up in the backroom staff, to be honest with you, Mark. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Definitely, definitely agree with that. So, just to remind you, the email address for the podcast is the Two Saints Podcast Show at Outlook.com. That's for any future any future features you'd like to see or any questions you might have about it. The Two Saints Podcast Show is now available via Spotify, Overcast, Acast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Deezer, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and Podbean, or via our Facebook page, The Two Saints Show, and our YouTube channel, The Two Saints Podcast Show. It's the Two Marks CNH on the Two Saints Show Fiesta. 95FM Right, welcome back everybody So the two Saints free, uh, review of West Brom 3 Saints Neil The Saints, while beating at West Brom Ralph Hasenhutl gives an honest assessment And Stuart Armstrong only ourselves to blame Yeah, um, pretty comprehensive from West Brom Saints made it very easy for them Mark, didn't they? I mean at one point I was reading about it all And um, they were saying at one point That the favourite player forward when Saints were attacking Was Ryan Bertrand Blimey, that says an awful lot. Apparently, Danny Ings and Stuart Armstrong were both quite deep for most of the game. I mean, nobody really made an impact. It wasn't really a, it wasn't really a standout player. No, they, uh, they were still in change room apparently. By the looks of it, right, you obviously so, watched, it, didn't? But yes, I, I watched it live, and um, yeah, it, it didn't get any better, mate. To be honest with you, I even, I even overindulged and listened back to the radio commentary after yep. done the actual live game, you know, watched it live through our Zoom call, yep. but um, where, where do you start? Um, the first thing I want to say is, Ralph, and we're going to be coming to this during the podcast as well, yep. Ralph, if the club are seriously thinking about signing Theo Walcott, Please don't. Please, I'm begging you not to. Even if, right, you're bringing in, I don't know, uh, you know, a 21-year-old unknown on a free transfer, please don't do it. It, it, It's got to be the biggest waste of money. I mean, you know, I'll go back to this one with you, Mark. You know, Shane Long in the summer, you know, got... I think it was a five grand pay rise, or he he was signed on certainly in the on the same terms that yeah. he had previous with Saints. Right now, if it had been me, I'd have sat there and I'd have said, you know, Shane, you're not going to be playing regularly, okay? And because yeah. you're not going to be playing regularly, 
we you know will be expecting you to pay, take a pay cut. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe I'm missing something, right? But surely, if a player doesn't isn't going to be that involved, you know, what? Why would you give him either a five thousand pound uh, paid increase a week? Or the same yeah. money. It just doesn't make any sense. But That's look, funny. let's get to the game, okay? Yeah. So, Theo Walcott had no impact. Um, yeah. uh, for me, Carl Walker-Peters, some people have come to his defence to a degree. For me, yeah. the last two games, he struggled, right? Yeah. Down the right-hand side, not sure if he was getting enough cover from Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, but he, he was woeful down that right-hand side. I mean, when you consider that West Brom, before they took the lead, probably should have been four or five up anyway. You yeah. know, they seriously missed that many chances, Mark. I mean, obviously they didn't have their shooting boots on. And obviously when it came to the conceding of the penalty... I've got to be honest, I didn't have an issue with what Fraser done because he didn't have an option. I mean, both both Vestergaard and Bednarek had gone walkies because there was no one, literally no one, there. And and he had to make the decision. I don't think he had much of a choice. you know, I was dreading this because I didn't really, I didn't really want to talk about it. If I'm perfectly honest, yeah. you know, I would have preferred if we just had a recorded twenty minutes of silence. You know, as a, as a mark of respect to the fact that West Brom thoroughly deserved their three 0 victory. Um, I mean, yeah. even in the middle of the park. I mean, the you know, you and I both in previous podcasts have championed Diallo. Right, but I'm, I'm not sure whether it was just because I, for me, you know, you would have been better off with a John Smith's cardboard cutout in the middle of the, the park, you know. Um, yeah, and, and and really, at the end of the day, you know, Stuart Armstrong obviously didn't have his normal influence, and we've said before when he's not playing particularly well, Saints don't seem to play well. You know, James Ward-Prowse, I mean, he he, would, he was trying to do as normal, but you could see even halfway through the second half that the players were having an inquest because yeah. they were all gathered in the middle, on the middle of the pitch sort of having an inquest about why is this not happening, why is that not happening. Um, and the other thing that I've got to say, Mark, you know, I, you know, I said earlier at the start of the pod, right? I'm, I'm a defender of Ralph. I will always be a defender of Ralph because he gives supporters the connection, something that you don't get under Pellegrino, Puel, you know, Mark Hughes. They, they weren't connected to the support, you know, and he makes, makes you feel invested. But, Ralph, you know, please, 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 right? I get that you wanted to start with the same winning team from last week, okay? Not a problem, okay? I can even understand the point where you're sat there 2-0 down half time. you send out the same team in the vain hope 
then they're going to turn it around again. Okay. Yeah. First thing I would say about that is lightning never strikes twice in a fortnight. That's the first thing. And the the other thing of yeah. the other thing I want to say, Mark, is you know substitutes are there to affect the outcome of games. The outcome of games, right? And, you know, one thing that I will get behind whenever supporters criticise Ralph, and that this is not, you know, this is not me saying Ralph out. Let's get that one out of the way. No way, Jose, do I want to see him. It would be a dark day, you know, in paradise if that was to happen as far as as far as I'm concerned, because the club are so invested in him that anybody who comes in would find it difficult anyway to pick up the thread, pick up the reins, so to speak. Okay? But the other the other thing that I will say is, Ralph, subs are there to affect the outcome of games, right? And what while I said to you about what I said, make make a change when it's 2-0 down. But the fact yeah. he brought he brought you know Shay Adams on, who scored three goals in his last four, yeah. right? Yeah. And he brought him on at three 0 down. What chance has <laughs> the man got? And he probably had our best chance of the game. In all fairness, Mark, I think Shay Adams' treatment since he's retired from international duty has been poor. The guy's in form, and he's been dropped again. It doesn't do you confidence any good. Ralph says he's a confidence player. Ralph said it himself. He's a confidence player. Yeah, brilliant, Ralph. He went and dropped him then. And that's not me saying Ralph out either. I'm a Ralph supporter, but it's a strange one when Shadows is in, in really good form and Ralph says he's a confidence player and he scores in he scores in waves. Well, he might well do, but he's in high on confidence. He's, he's on a wave. Well, he's on a wave at the minute then, Ralph, if he scores in waves. You know, and, and you're not you're not playing him. I, I get that. I get that, you know, he wanted to do what he wanted to do, right? And, you know, the team didn't change from last week and we turned it around last week. But like I say, lightning doesn't strike twice in a fortnight, you know? That's right. In a week, in a week, sorry. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, I've I've seen a lot of people saying that this was worse than the 9-0 man. And you're not it to be fair, and that's you know, that's quite a damning that's quite a damning well, statement to be fair. You know, three really, West Brom's bad man you that's pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's it's not really, Mark. When you when you think of the injury crisis that we had when we were playing Manchester United, right? Nine nil on the face of it, you know, yeah. doesn't seem that bad. But when when you consider right. that we struggled to get out of our own half yeah, you yeah. know, I think I think we got out of our own half three times in the first half. I mean, the thing is, you know, I mean, I've, I've it improved a little half. bit the second half, but not a lot. Yeah, look, I'm not making excuses for the way the team performed. All the players, and I'm about to say, is certainly not giving them an out because I don't believe they've got an out. It was a poor performance. All I all I am going to say, um, and we do add a bit of balance every now and then, obviously, and that's all I'm doing. I'm not defending what they've done. It was a poor performance, and we got what we deserved. Nothing, but. In all fairness as well, this was a team that put... OK, it was a 10-man Chelsea team, but they did put five past Chelsea in the previous game. Yeah. They've actually, in the last seven games in the Premier League, they've actually conceded less goals than anyone, I think you'll find. Correct. OK. And they've scored quite well. So, in all fairness, yes, we made it very easy for West Brom, <laughs> but this is the same West Brom team that put five past Chelsea. And in fairness, 
Chelsea have done quite well of late under Tuchel. So it wasn't a poor result from them. You know, fair play. West Brom have got their form together from their point of view. But we made it too easy for them. And we got exactly what we deserved, which was nothing. We didn't deserve anything from the game. But, you know, a little bit of perspective, everyone. It was the same team that put five past Chelsea. And we're not Chelsea, in all fairness. Yes, when we've got our strong team, when we've got our strong team, we can beat anyone. When we've got our strongest team out, we can beat anybody, okay? But they have to be at the races, and the team wasn't. And that's why we lost, because we weren't at the races. I mean, I mean, you know, it's funny, but when when we always lose a turn round, and at the minute, you know, because most most of the main players are back, right? But one of my excuses is, you know, we miss Romeo, but we yeah. but we did miss Romeo Monday night because yeah. I, I just think at the, in the middle of the park, when you need someone to put their food in, he's that person. And there's nobody yeah. else quite like that at the football club. And especially when you have to roll your sleeves up and, and be slightly more battle-hardened because yeah. uh, as a team, we're not battle-hardened. We're, not battle hardened. we're well, brilliant. And please, please yeah, don't no. tell me that that great Dane at the back's battle-hardened because I reckon That's a feather would knock him over. He's not battle hardened, and in fairness, um, Diallo and James Ward-Prowse were overrunning midfield, completely overrun. Yeah, and they were overrunning midfield. We were very poor. We weren't at the races, and to be fair, West Brom played us at our own game. They played a high press, and they worked it brilliantly. And they, did, they played us at our own game. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair. Yeah, got his tactics spot on. To be fair, we weren't ready for it. We weren't up for it. I think they did all have their eyes on the semi-final. You know, anybody says they didn't matter, no, I'm sorry, they did, blatantly. And the same with Burnley. They've definitely had their eyes on the, on the semi-final. Also, 100%. It's only, I mean, you know, I've heard this from many a professional over the last couple of days even, and they've said, you know, it's only human. But, you know, we keep hearing that people are professional. And if you're yep. being professional, you know you've got a job to do. So... Yes, there's one. There's always one eye on the semi-final, but you know they know that they've still got to go out and perform for those games between that and the semi-final. But let's see what's you know what. Let's see what Sunday holds, my friend. Um, obviously, Ralph Hasenhutl gave an honest assessment. Can't argue with Ralph. He was bang on everything he said. And Stuart Armstrong said we only got ourselves to blame. Absolutely right with that. So that brings us to the end of the review. So what we do is we take an advert and we'll come back and we do Saints Club news for you. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. So, Saints Club News. Premier League 2 report, Brighton 3, Saints 0. Premier League 2 report, Chelsea 3, Saints 1. Under 18 report, Saints 0, Spurs 3. Three goals that send Saints through. Fifth round draw made for Vitality Women's FA Cup. Saints Foundation charity match day raises over £15,000. Big savings in the Southampton FC concourse sale. Help us launch next season's kit and the stadium tour store. Stadium tour. The stadium store is now open. So starting with the under 23s mark again. Brighton three yeah. Saints nil. Chelsea three Saints one. Two losses. There's a surprise. I couldn't. I couldn't help but notice Mark how you rushed through those results as if they didn't happen. Let's gloss over it. You know, <laughs> it's a bit like it's a bit like somebody told me right that when. West, because our club is, I mean, this isn't the criticism, people, 
But our club's very good at doing good news. They're not yeah. so good at doing bad news, right? And apparently, I, do, I just want to say this before we get into the under, you know, the B team's results, right? But apparently, on Monday night, after West Brom scored the third goal, right, the Twitter account at CNCFC went dark. They just they stopped mentioning anything about the game whatsoever, you know. So, you know, that, that tells its own story. But it there you go. But no, look, going back to the other, the, well, the under 23s B team. I mean, what what can what can anybody possibly say at the minute, Mark? I mean, you know, and, and this is why I say to people, you know, it's not Ralph Hasnagel's blueprint, it's the club's blueprint. They're gonna be using this for time to come, right? And obviously at the minute, you know. There's a there's a gestation period, a settling in period, if you like, right? Yep. Or, but again, you know, the club's been using this system since November, December of yep. of of yep. twenty nineteen. Um, we're now we're now March twenty, or sorry, April twenty twenty one, and. I don't know how long these sort of things take, but like I said, it's just demoralizing each week when you and I have to sit here on the podcast and continually turn around and say to people, well, it's been another defeat for Shane's B team this week, and it's been another defeat for the under-18s, and you know, we've said it till we're blue in the face on this podcast. You know, I, I'm sorry, but winning breeds confidence. It don't. It doesn't matter what it's at. Winning breeds confidence, and no wonder each week both sides are going out, getting soundly beaten. By the way, you know, you you can turn around and say, "Oh well, you know, they gave a good account of themselves," and blah blah blah. But the only, you know, this this is why I always say to you about stats, and I, you know, I know you love this quote, right? The only stat that matters is the ball in the back of the net, you know. Um, but as I say, I I don't know where I sit whenever Dave Horseman comes out and he turns around and he says, you know, for the club, it's more about players for the. For the first team in relation to the B team, right? But but I still say to you, how are you bringing players into that first team who who are getting beaten every week in the B side? I just I don't see it. I'm sorry, but I don't see it. Yeah, no, I agree, Mark. And um, you know, it's, it's an ongoing project, obviously. I mean, it's a three to five year project or whatever it is. Ralph says he's invested for another three years, so. You know, it, results aren't great. It doesn't have confidence. You know, confidence breeds success or success breeds confidence. Football is a lot about psychology. And, and, you know, their confidence must take an absolute battering. They're losing nearly every game. It's not good for your confidence. It can't help your development, surely. How can it? I mean, look, I'm not saying throw everyone under the bus or whatever. Maybe it's time for a bit of a shake-up with the, the, the coaches or whatever at the academy. Same as it's time for a bit of a shake-up with the first-team coaches, maybe. Maybe they've all become a bit stale. That's what yeah. I think. It's, there's definitely something going on behind the scenes that we're not seeing that's having an impact. 
I mean, look, the, the one thing that I'm going to suggest to you, just while we're talking about it, I mean, you know, Matt Oakley is out of a job at the minute, you know, yep. and he was, he was working as the assistant under Paul Pinsteel at MK Dons. Now, I would sooner bring him into the backroom staff or even have yep. him as sort of some sort of head of coaching at the academy or or whatever. But behind the scenes, the coaching structure needs to change quite a bit. There's another one that staggers me. We've got a certain ex-saint in the area, living back down in the area, available, and he's not employed by the club. Why on earth, Matt Crocker, are you not getting James Beatty in as a striking coach? With the likes of Danny Ings and Shea Adams in our team, why on earth have you not got James Beatty there as a, as a striking coach? Yeah, well, you know, let's, let's see what the summer brings. But for me... You know, obviously, you know, you want to see a bit of a shake-up in the playing staff because, you know, to be honest with you, after watching Monday night, you know, there's some that have been there for too long. But alongside that, I do want to see a shake-up in the backroom staff because, again, some of those people that are in that backroom staff, you know, as supporters, we sit there and we do wonder what it is they actually contribute to the first team. The and, thing is, and indeed other things. Yeah, well, the thing is, the under-23s are losing, under-18s have lost 3-0 to Spurs. So, yeah, the whole thing needs a shake-up, doesn't it? Absolutely yeah. does. And it's, yeah, it's a long overdue shake-up, and maybe that's part of the reason. Matt Crocker was brought in, maybe he was brought in to give it a bit of a shake-up, but that definitely rests squarely at his feet, doesn't it? So anyway, moving on. Three goals that send Saints through. Southampton FC women continued their winning run in the Vitality Women's FA Cup. Brushing aside Yeovil, 3-0 to progress to the fourth round. Well, man, I want to celebrate about this. Boy, (laughs) I want to celebrate about this because there was a live stream on on Sunday. And I sat and watched it, and I thought, thank goodness for our women's team. I'm, I'm falling in love with women's football, may I tell you. Um, yep. You know, we had, we had uh, Rachel, uh, we had Rachel Panting on the score sheet again. Well, I think we had uh, Sophie Farah uh, scored, Ferrara or Ferrara. Or Farah. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, and I'm trying to think who the other person was, but Mark, can I tell you something? Right, Williams, I think was your one, Mark. Possibly, if you ever want to see a glorious sight in women's football, right? It's Millie Mott, you know, marauding, marauding, and I do mean marauding down the wing as a fullback. You know, and the guts and determination that she shows for one so young, you know, our men's team could learn a thing or two. Certainly. No, I understand. They've got an absolute diamond there. Minnie Mott is absolutely outstanding. She is a future England player. If she doesn't end up playing for England at some point in her career, I'll be staggered. I really But the, the best, the best, goal, in the, uh, you, the best goal, by the way, of the afternoon goes to Sharon Seawright because it was... That you know, the first goal was a hell of a strike, mate. And three, three nil. Oh, you know, the other thing I want to say while we're on the subject, and I know you're going to move on to the the draw for the next round, but 
I was reading, and you might be interested in this yourself, I was reading this week that there may be two places available for the championship, right? And Southampton are being encouraged to apply for one of those places, okay? Yeah. And given yeah. given that, you know, there's been great coverage since the 3-0 win in the national press of yeah. Southampton women, and given that, you know, we've had, uh, I think it's the last two, three seasons where they've gone, what is it, 20 or 30 games uh, winning and only one draw. You know, to me it shows that they're a cut above probably, well, definitely the division they're in. And I would also say that they're a cut above the, the league above. So, yeah. Should they be playing in the championship? I would say yes. Um, yeah. And what we'll find out whether they should or not, because Lewis, who they play yep. in the fourth round on Sunday, people, you know, yep. they play in the championship. And Marks sure. will tell you about the fifth round draw, but we're due to yep. play a championship side again in the fifth round draw if we get past Lewis. Absolutely. Yep. So, yeah, the FA have confirmed the draw for the fifth round of the Vitality Women's FA Cup ahead of the weekend's fourth round tie between Lewis and Southampton FC. This weekend, Sea Saints travel to FA Women's Championship side Lewis in the fourth round, kicking off at 2pm British Standard Time. A victory at the Dripping Pan Stadium, that either sounds like a leaking car or sort of wall, <laughs> sets off a tie against either championship side, uh, another championship side in Coventry United. There we go. The team who defeated Saints in the competition last year or Super League outfit Birmingham. I would think the girls would probably want Birmingham Mark Super League outfit. They want to prove they're brilliant. They're good enough, aren't they? Why shouldn't they, too? That would be a fantastic tie against Birmingham, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, let's hope be there's another stream, another free stream, you know, but um, let's hope there's another free stream on Sunday first for the Lewis game. So, obviously, the winner of the clash between Lewis and Saints will know their next round opponents ahead of the final whistle. That game will kick off at 12.30 when they play either Birmingham or Coventry if they're successful against Lewis. And all fifth round ties are set to be played on Sunday the 16th of May. So, come on, the girls. Show us how, show us how good you really are. Yeah, anyway, moving on from there. behind you, girls. Come on. Absolutely right. So, moving on from there, Saints Foundation's recent charity match day raised over 15 £15,000. This was following the weekend's tra- charity match day against Burnley. Saints Foundation delighted to announce £15,000 has been raised for the charity, including a generous donation by the main club's book partner, sportsbet.io. Obviously, the Saints first team shirt sported the Saints Foundation logo and wording. So, yeah, fantastic. And the, the other thing to point out as well, Mark, is I'm sure a lot of the Saints supporters contributed to that total because it's obviously that the club were asking, I think it was for a £15 or a £10 donation from from supporters as well. So, you know, it's a great great total and obviously I'll go towards helping do all the work that the Saints Foundation do in the community. Definitely. Right, moving on from there. Big savings in the concourse sale. Southampton's annual concourse sale is back. Back with massive reductions across a wide range of Saints merchandise for two days only. Head to St Mary's between 10am to 4pm on Saturday the 17th of April and Sunday the 18th to take advantage of savings on a wide range of training wear and kit. It's your last chance to get Under Armour training wear with final reductions at least 80% off on all items and cash savings of up to £110. There's a 80% off replica kit with socks available. Well, you only live right in the corner. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not in any hurry to get any under armor stuff, Mark. That's a bit obsolete now, as far as I'm concerned. With Hummel, she's <laughs> make a comeback. I think oh, I'd rather buy the um. I think I'd rather buy the Hummel retro stuff. To be fair, even so though that means spending more money. You're not tempted if Saints reveal what shirt they're going to be wearing for the semi-final on on Sunday to nip out, you know, before Sunday semi-final and don the colours on. I might do the one I've got. <laughs> fair I'll, enough. I might do the one I've fair got. Enough. In fairness, in fairness, the shirt I've been wearing for pretty much most of the FA Cup is actually the signed one I've got, and it's proved to be quite a lucky mascot. So and I'm that, sticking with that. The, it has to be fair. I'll give you that. It has very much been. I'm certainly sticking with the shirt I've been wearing because it seems to be quite lucky at the moment. I don't believe in omens and I'm not normally superstitious. But in fairness, it is an FA Cup. And to be fair, the last time I was kind of suspicious was 2003 when I wore a dragon pendant and I wore it at every single round. And the one round I forgot to wear it for was the final against Arsenal, which we lost. But we won every game that year when I wore that pendant. So, yeah. Well, lovely story, lovely story, lovely story, Mark. But I'm not bad into it, mate. <laughs> you, you can have all all your superstitious nonsense, but I'm not bad into it. It's about eleven players on the pitch on the day, and whether people decide to turn up or not. That's what it's about. That's all right, everyone, because Mark's worn the same pants for every game. No, he hasn't. I'm joking. <laughs> 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 I'm only joking. <laughs> anyway, moving on from there. Later this year, Southampton Football Club will launch its first kit as part of its new sponsorship with Hummel, and we want your Saints memorabilia to feature in the launch. Simply let us know what your most prized piece of Saints memorabilia is and send a photo of it to supporter services at saintsfc.co.uk. We'll select our favourite item to feature in the kit launch for the, for the 2021-22 season. If your item selected, we'll contact you by Friday this 16th of April with further info. Please note you'll need to send us your item by Tuesday, 20th of April. We'll make every effort to take good care of your item while it's with us. You do so at your own risk. Yeah, I mean, so, don't get, me, don't get me wrong. Get involved in the yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I quite, I quite like the idea of it, Mark. Right, but the thing is, is I envisage people sending things that are not Hummel related, right? And I, I think the club will be looking for specifically Hummel-related gear that refers back to the era when Hummel were last, the the club's sort of kit manufacturers. Yeah, so no rushing out to buy any of the Hummel retro stuff that's available now <laughs> so you can get involved. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to try it, you know that. Thank you, Anyway. So, yeah, no cheating. Do it fairly. So, good news for everyone. Southampton Football Club is delighted to confirm the Saints store at St Mary's is now back open. It will be open from 10am to 4pm from Monday, Saturday, excluding match days, with a full range of Saints merchandise available to buy in person. Right now, you can also shop a brand new range of Hummel leisure wear and take advantage of final reductions on all Under Armour stuff if you fancy it, including replica kits. I shouldn't think anybody's probably going to want on Under Armour things, but you never know. It's still got the Saints badge, hasn't it? So you never quite know. So there you go. That's absolutely fantastic. And if you'd like to know full details of the offering at the online Saints store, check it out on the Saints website. So there we go. Fantastic, Mark. And that brings us brilliantly to the end of that section. So we'll have an advert. And then coming up for you in the second half, we have other football news, Saints in the press and Saints transfer gossip, two Saints preview of the FA Cup semi-final, Saints versus Leicester City. Fiesta 95 FM. 
the Toussaint Show. Right, welcome back, everybody. So, other football news. Newcastle fans bid to, to buy part of the club. Hillsborough Group disbands as families look to move on. Netflix series prompts fans to restore first to paid footballers' grave. And ex Bolton winger Holden dies at the age of 90. So, Newcastle fans bid to buy part of the club, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the bottom line with this one, Mark, is, is because of what's gone on, obviously, yeah. in recent years, and obviously during Mike Ashley's tenure, I think yeah. the fans have just had enough. Um, yeah. the, only, the only thing is, is, Mark, and this is kind of the downside of it is, you know, the fans probably would never get enough together to uh, sort of take over but hopefully it's a foot in the door of having some sort of influence but all, all I would say is is you know fan owns own clubs unless you're sort of non-league and you're doing it from the ground you know you're building the, the side up from the ground up right it doesn't really work unless it's a, a Wimbledon you know, an AFC Wimbledon or an AFC Barry or something like that there, you know, normally we find that whenever it comes to fan-run-owned clubs or community-owned clubs, that it doesn't tend to work. I mean, it didn't work at Bournemouth. And even even down the road at Portsmouth, you know, although they, they did it so that they could hold on for somebody to come in and actually buy the club, but I, I don't think fans running football clubs really work unless you're doing it from from the very bottom, like AFC Barry or an AFC Wimbledon, you know. And obviously, the great thing about, you know, if you're doing it from that level, you're learning yeah. about stuff as you go along. So, of course, you're gaining experience every season, you know, as you're down in the lower yeah, leagues. I agree with that. So, I moved on the Hillsborough. Family Support Group, HFSG, have been disbanded because we've gone as far as we can, its former chief has said. The families will mark the 32nd anniversary of the football stadium disaster privately on Thursday. 96 fans died as a result of a crush in a game between Liverpool and Notts Forest at Sheffield Wednesday's ground on the 15th of April 1989. HFSG ex-chair Margaret Aspinall said it was time for families to move on. The trial of two former police officers and a police solicitor accused of ordering police documents... Uh, statements after the disaster is due to start on the 19th of April. Yeah, I've got I've got to say, Mark, that um, for me, I mean, Mar- Margaret Aspinall's very, very interesting. I mean, when she gave the interview to say that the group was folding, which it's, it's kind of sad to see, but at the end of the day, families need to move on with their lives as well. But it should yeah. always be highlighted. You know, every anniversary, I would always say it needs to be highlighted because the Liverpool supporters that day were done a massive, you know, uh, injustice by, you know, the, the British tabloid press. You know, you've, yeah. you've got to say that. You know, there was Alan, you know, uh, they were being accused of, robbing people and all sorts and it was just nonsense at the end of the day it was people going to a football match who you know terribly tragic they lost their lives I mean I got emotional seeing that I'd come back I was I was living in Southern Ireland at the time and I'd come back from uh auditioning for 
an, an Irish quiz, believe it or not, called Word in the World. Right? And I came, okay. I came back on the I came back on the train from Dublin, uh, back to where I was staying in Tralee at the time. Yeah. And I sat and I watched live the footage. And, you know, I, I was in tears. I, I genuinely was in tears. Well, obviously, you can't really comprehend what you're watching is the first thing because automatically you're thinking... And then when people say they lost their lives and the amount of people that lost their lives, you know, it, very, very hard to compute. But the other thing that was interesting from today was obviously it was the anniversary today of yep. the, the 96. And, you know, Margaret Aspinall again, you know, came out and spoke about it. And the interesting thing was that, you know, she because she became the head of that group, she was never yeah. able to grieve for her own son. I think her own son was called James. And she's never been able to properly grieve for her own son because she's been dealing with the other relatives and people who yeah. had lost yeah. Yeah. In, in the tragedy, you know. So yeah. it, gives, it, gives her, it gives her a chance and everything else. But the other thing that I found yeah. interesting was you know, and I totally agree with her. I condone, you know, the behaviour of the supposed Liverpool fans outside yeah. Ampe last night attacking the Real Madrid uh, coach. Shameful. Absolutely shameful behaviour. Anyway, moving on. The grave of one of English football's lesser-known pioneers has been restored after a fan-watched his story on Netflix series The English Game. Jacqueline McAleese contacted Blackburn Rovers after noticing that Fergus Suter's final resting place was dilapidated. Suter is regarded as the first professional footballer earning a working wage at Rovers in 1880. Miss McAleese said she was quite upset after seeing his grave had fallen over and was just a mound of grass. The restoration, funded by Blackburn Rovers, took place on the 135th anniversary of the triumph of Suter's third FA Cup winners medal when Rovers beat West Brom 2-0. She said the restored grave at Blackburn Old Cemetery was magical. I know he's not a relative and actually it's nothing to do with me, but his story touched my heart and I became so passionate about it, she said. And well done to her. A hundred percent. I mean, you know, the thing is, is I like to be able to try and throw in good news stories when I can on this section. And that is a good news story. Absolutely. Um, for anybody who hasn't seen the Netflix series, you know, please go and watch it. I think it's called The English Game, is it? Yeah. You know, I've, English... I've watched it. It's worth a watch. Please go and watch it. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yep. So we'll move on from there. And sad news, Doug ex-Bolton Wanderer winger, has died at the age of 90. Former Bolton Wanderers winger Doug Holden, the last surviving player of the Stanley Matthews FA Cup final in 1953, has died at the age of 90. The England international was part of the Bolton side that were defeated 4-3 by Blackpool in the memorable fight. He went on to make 463 appearances for Wanderers, scoring 44 goals for the club and winning the 1957-58 FA Cup. The thoughts and prayers of everyone at Bolton Wanderers are with Doug's family and friends, the club said. After 11 seasons with Bolton, Holden moved on to Preston North End in 1962 where he reached another FA Cup final two years later. Holden, who won five caps for England, 
been the only survivor of the 1953 final after Blackpool winger Cyril Robinson died in November 2019. Yeah, we know all you can say, man, is R.I.P. Mr. Holden, but the, 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 other, right. the other reason why I highlighted it was, was because obviously it is the end of an era. There's nobody left yeah. now from the supposed dubbed Matthews final. You know, because yeah. it was believed at the time that everybody in England wanted Blackpool to win that final just yeah. so Stanley Matthews could say that he won, you know, the FA Cup. But one one thing so, that gets lost in the midst of time is that. Um, so yeah, the one sorry. sorry the the one thing that people always seem to forget, even though it was called the Stanley Matthews final, you know, and, and it was great, obviously, to see him, you know, get his, get the, uh, his hands on the FA Cup. But, you know, the actual record from that final is the fact that Stan Mortensen, who played for Blackpool that day, scored the hat-trick, scored a hat-trick, yeah. and he's still the only player to score a hat-trick in an FA Cup final. Yeah, until Danny Ings gets her and does it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Anyway, <laughs> so moving on to Scottish football news. We Rangers shall see. Squad, we shall <laughs> see. Yep. So anyway, moving on. Rangers squad to RT boycott social media. This is Scottish football, sorry. Rangers squad to boycott social media. Kadea and Kamara both banned in race row. Kick it out, would back a boycott and no fan return for Scottish Cup final. So starting with the Rangers squad uh, to boycott social media to tackle abuse. Absolutely brilliant. I'm well pleased about that. So it's now Bambi yeah. Swansea and now Rangers up in Scotland who've all boycotted social media in response to racial, racial abuse or, or any kind of abuse, to be fair. There need, all, all I would say, Mark, is a follow-up on what I said last week. There yeah. needs to be a blanket uh, thing by all the clubs, right? And the more high-profile football players, you know, we've seen that, you know, Terry O'Ree has done it, you know, so if you've got loads of followers, you know, on your social media, let's have all these individual footballers and the clubs, you know, just just have a blackout, have a complete blackout for, you know, the next month or whatever, you know, whatever, but, you know, it needs to be that much more direct as it keeps saying, because everything else isn't working. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. All right, moving on to the next article. Slavia's Andre Kadea gets a 10-game racism ban, and Rangers' Glenn Kamara and Kimar Reef also banned. Slavia Prague's Andre Kadea had been banned for 10 matches after racially abusing Glenn Kamara, with the Rangers' midfielder suspended for three games. The Finn has been found guilty of assaulting Kadea in the tunnel after the side stormy Europa League meeting at Oddbox in March, which Slavia won. Kamara's lawyer, Amer Anwar, called Kadea's sanction the barest minimum penalty and made a mockery of UEFA's claims on taking racism seriously. He also suggested Kamara's suspension was reduced from five games on appeal. Rangers striker Kimar Roof has been banned for four games too after Andre Kolar suffered a fractured goal in a challenge during the game, which Ibrox Club fined €9,000 for failing to control their players. Roof and defender Leon Balogun, Balogun were sent off. Three other players were booked in the stormy last 16 second leg encounter, which the Czech side won 2 0 to progress 3 1 on aggregate. Police in Scotland are still looking into separate allegations of racial abuse and a reported assault. 
Yes, I mean, all, all, yeah, all I'm going to say, all and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be forthright as always about these things, right? UEFA don't cut the mustard. They gave them the least, the least sentence that they could give them. The Slavia Prague player. I mean, if I'd have had my way, you know, he would not be playing football again. It's that so, it's so simple. The well, thing is, is mate, in normal life, if you recently abuse somebody in the workplace, right, you don't have a job. It's that exactly, simple. Yeah. Why yeah. should it be any yeah. different for footballers? Um, why should why should it be any different for footballers? You know, and, and the, the, the thing is, is although I can't comprehend what it's like because I, I don't have that color skin, I certainly understand the fact that you know. You, you're demoralised. It must be demoralising. You know, you do take it to heart if it's continuous. You know, and Glenn yeah. Kamara has been abused every day on yeah. social media since Absolutely. since this has happened. Yeah. Right? Absolutely right. The thing is, is what should have happened was Slavia Prague should have been chucked out of Europe for next season yeah. because they're in the okay. Champions League next season. They're due to be in the Champions League next season. They should have been chucked out next season in Europe. Thankfully, they got dumped out of the uh, Europa League tonight because Arsenal beat them. Um, But but like like I'm saying, uh, the player himself, to me, the club should have sacked him. And then it's up to other clubs then to make a decision based on what's happened. You know, but Slavia Prague should be sacking him. Right, you know what the you know what the did, Mark? They put up they put a picture up, right, of him training with other black players at their training ground, as if to say, you know, that's not me. Here's my friends, right? Absolute rubbish, rubbish. You know? at, at the end of the day, I'm you know, I'm I'm saving about it, mate. To be honest with you, because I've seen the footage. I've seen the footage. And Glenn Kamara gets racially abused. I don't care what they say. I mean, the thing is, is they've admitted that it happened, right? Yep. And Slavia yep. Prague have yet to issue an apology to Glenn Kamara, even though they've recognised now that it's happened. It's, not, it's just not good enough, mate. I mean, the other, the other thing about is the other thing about the incident is, is right. You didn't see any of the black players playing for Slavia Prague coming to this player's defence. They were all looking at him as if to say, you know, that's not all. You know? I've seen the footage, and if you watch the still-by-still image, you know, it it goes without saying. Obviously, Glenn Kamara probably shouldn't have reacted the way he did, but all all I would say is, is... from the reports that I've heard about Glenn Kamara, you know, at the end of the day, it, it must have been something fairly severe for him to react in the way that he did. I mean, it's funny because I did sort of hope that we might have signed him during the summer when I was being rumoured that he might be coming to us because I thought, oh, that, that doesn't sound like such a bad idea. But, um, you know, yeah. all, all, all I can say is, you know, where is it going to stop? If the football authorities aren't prepared to take a hard line, then, 
you know, I worry that this is set to continue rather than 100%. taking a hard line and eradicating it, and, you know, and nipping it in the bud at source. And I still go back to what I say about social media. You know, the thing is, is people and accounts, you know, it should be passworded and everything else so that these, these people are not allowed to hide behind, you know, the keyboard warriors. Absolutely right. And following on from that, anti-discrimination charity Kick It Out says it would back a Premier League-wide boycott of social media in protest at online racist abuse. Yeah. Swansea, Birmingham, and Scottish champions Rangers are boycotting social platforms for a week. Comes after several recent incidents of players receiving racist abuse on social media. Kick It Out boss Tony Barnett says the boycotts are a sign of the absolute disgust felt within football. Absolutely bang on the money, and I'm glad they're backing it because I certainly do. Yeah, no, I, I totally endorse it, mate. And obviously moving on from there, no fan return mark for the Scottish Cup final. No fans at Hamden as UEFA starts work for the Euro 2020 finals. So there'll be no fans inside Hamden Park for next month's Scottish Cup final. 22nd of May showpiece will be held three weeks before 12,000 supporters will be able to watch Scotland's first match at the European Championships inside the same stadium. Yes. And it's due to the fact that the ground comes under UEFA event control from the 14th of May. Correct. I was just going to point that out, Mark, but also as well... Apparently, there is construction work going on at Hamden at the minute as well, which right. would also hamper any sort of return of fans. But again, you know, I have a degree of sympathy for any supporters, you know, of of the sides that are going to contest that final because obviously, you know, it's Scotland's showpiece and there's not going to be any fans there. It's, it's just very sad. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, it is very sad. So, moving on to a slightly better story. Erling brought Harland assistant referee's autograph donated to charity. Charity said this benefit from assistant referee Octavian Svevra's decision to ask Russia Dortmund's Erling Harland for an autograph following Man City's Champions League quarter final first leg win on Tuesday. He approached Harland in the tunnel at the Etihad and produced a red and yellow card for the striker to sign. Some observers questioned Svevra's actions, among them the very successful former footballer and BT Sport pundit Owen Hargreaves said it doesn't look right. The childhood friend of Sova was now released the, ch- the, the cards are likely to be auctioned later this month to help provide therapy for autistic people at the SOS Autism Behort Centre in Romania. Owen Hargreaves, you got it wrong, wind your neck in. Yeah, I mean, all, all I would say is, you see, the football expert strikes again. So, just... I mean, man, I, I have a special insight to this, right? Because I was listening to the commentary on the radio, right? And obviously, I took it as read, you know, going to bed, took it as read, you know, that what they had said in the commentary or, you know, whatever, right? And then obviously, I found this story. So let me just let me just tell you what was said during the radio commentary, right? So... He said, he said the, the commentator turned around and said, it's inappropriate behaviour from, and he even got that wrong. He said the referee, right, because he turned around and he said that apparently, according to him, he'd asked Hoyland, right, for to help him look for his red and yellow cards because he'd misplaced them. Right? And then you actually read the actual story and you think, good on you, Hoyland, and well done, the assistant referee. And um, it's a fantastic thing. And 
I hope they make lots of money for the Romanian hospital or hospice that the money's going to. Absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah, Hopefully got up the same both cards on both sides. Yep. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant. Well done. That's all I can say on that. So moving on to some really positive news. The FA Women's Super League celebrates 10 years with the launch of the Hall of Fame. Anniversary of the Women's Super League is a source of pride for the FA, which will open a Hall of Fame to mark the occasion. Tuesday marks a decade since the league was launched when Arsenal beat Chelsea 1-0 in the top flight's first match. Since then, there have been four champions with Arsenal and Chelsea both winning the league three times. Yeah, till Saints get there. Kelly Simmons, the FA Women's Professional Game Director, says its development has turbocharged. It should be a source of pride of where we've got to and for everybody who made it happen, she told BBC Sport. Since the Women's World Cup particularly, the development of the Women's Super League has absolutely turbocharged. We saw record attendances pre-COVID. Can't wait to have fans back next season to continue to build on the great work done by the clubs. To really embrace and engage fans to get them through. Yeah, I mean... It, uh, real... the, one, the one thing I would say is, Mark, when I, when I read it, I thought to myself, is it really 10 years since, you know, the, the Women's S, SL League? Um, but it is 10 years, and it'll be interesting to see who the inductees into the Hall of Fame are going to be. Um, yep. Just on a just on a side note from this, so I'm going to get a little bit carried away here. Um, <laughs> during, during the week, um, I see Mule Nation, the women's team, qualify for the <coughs> European Championships. So the, the Northern Ireland women's team are going to be there. And... They, they they reformed it only in two thousand and four, um, and or two thousand four two thousand three, and you know initially they they were paying to play for their country, you know, and and I just think it's it's a hell of an achievement for where where they've come from. I mean, Melissa Callahan and Julie Nelson have both been involved since the reform. You know, and both Melissa Callahan scored one of the goals on uh, Tuesday night. You know, yeah. and they've both been in on the ground floor. And obviously, you know, they have young players coming through at the minute, and some of them are absolutely fantastic. I want to give a special mention also to Simone Miguel, who decided to come back from playing in the top league, women's top league in England for Everton, you know, and she decided to come home and help develop the women's game back in Northern Ireland. So, but, but, but like, like I say, it, it's been a hell of a journey and hats off to Alfie Wiley and also the manager at the minute, Kenny Shields. But anyway, I'll yeah, get over now. Thank please, you. please, 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 whoever is responsible for the fixtures, because I know it means the world to Mark. If you can make sure that, that, that they end up playing their games at Southampton and Brighton, Mark will be over the moon about that. <laughs> so whoever is responsible for that, make it happen, please. He'll be over the moon then. Girls, girls, I'm so proud of you. You've done me proud. It's emotional on Tuesday night, I tell you. Emotional. <laughs> Yeah, Mark was very, very, um, very positive, very cock a hoop. Everyone, I saw all his Facebook posts. He was very, very positive. I don't think I've ever seen him that positive, even after a Saints result. <laughs> Mind you, that's because Saints results aren't very often. <laughs> anyway, 
so that brings us to the end of that section of the pod today so we're going to take uh, another break and when we come back we'll do saints in the press and saints transfer gossip it's the two marks cnh on the two saints show fiesta 95 fm right welcome back everyone so saints in the press and saints transfer gossip Ralph Hassenhutl confirms Saints are in negotiations over extending Walcott's day. We don't have to sell our best players. Ralph Hassenhutl outlines the summer transfer plans. Saints transfer gossip possible ins. Report Southampton I 24-goal striker Georgios Giacoumakis. Exclusive Leeds United, Southampton and Norwich City keeping tabs on Barnley Ace ahead of summer. Southampton track another SPFL talent in Ross County's Leo Hjeld. Price tag set for Saints target Herrera and Southampton keen on summer deal for Harry Winks. Also possible out Stefaus, Roma rival Spurs interest in Southampton defender Yannick Festergaard. We don't even know what Liverpool thinks about the player in the summer. Saints are not in minimally no discussions. So, starting with the top two, Mark Hassan, it will confirm Saints are in negotiations over extending Walcott's stay, and we don't have to sell our best players. Really? Right, well, so... <laughs> summer window we're going to have then. Yeah, you have, you have to read the article to get a just on what he's actually saying. So, basically, the the, the first article, um, all I would say is, please, Club Ralph, like I said earlier in the pod, don't do it. Just okay. don't do it. Okay. There are other options out there that are going to cost you less money. Um you know, okay, it's it's one for the robotics. Even if there are options that aren't going to cost a lot of money, even if it costs you a bit of money, find some money and buy the lad from Bournemouth. Dan Juma's his name, Saints. Find some money and go and buy him. I've got bad news for you on that front. We're apparently withdrawn from it. Um, Uh, A pile of other Premier League clubs have come in and they're now interested, so that's full by the big side. Um, but yeah, so anyway, just on the on the Theo Walcott one, you know, please, please don't do it. I, I know we're probably going to end up doing it and they'll have people on social media going, it's fantastic, trust me. I, I just think it's, I mean, okay, yes, I know he brings experience and we could argue about, you know, if they can get him on the right terms. But really, at the end yeah. of the day, don't forget, he's on a free transfer, yeah. so it still will be the right terms. The thing is with Theo, even in the spell he's been here, okay? Yeah, he made an impact against Burnley. I'll give him that, right? He made an impact in that game. He doesn't make an impact in every game he plays. And quite often, he has games where he doesn't make an impact. Probably a decent addition to the squad. He's probably a good squad player, but... For me, moving forward, he's not a fast choice on that team sheet every week. So that's why I'd rather we didn't go down that route. Well, that's my, just my well, my, my greatest thing is, is for large periods, even of this season, he's been out injured. You know, yeah, and, exactly, yeah. the thing is, is you're just, there's just no guarantee of his fitness. And basically, well, the, the Melamino thing... Just, I just want to go on. I mean, you can come back to that if you want, but the Milamino thing, you know, am I that surprised that the club aren't interested in signing him? No, I'm not. There's probably better and better, I say, cheaper options out there. And that this, this, this goes on to what Ralph was talking about when he said about, you know, we don't have to sell our best players. Yeah. Because what he's basically saying is, and let's hope this summer he's got his 
ducks all lined up in a row. From the noises he's making, it certainly sounds like it. There is going to be a little bit of a windfall for him from the from the sponsorship deal, and hopefully he is a he is able to move out one or two that have been at the club for too long or don't want to stay for whatever reason. Because I'm I'm willing to state now, you know, after after uh, Monday's result, Mark, right. And it grieves me to say it because he's been a great servant to the football club. Yep. But yep. I w- I'd withdraw the offer to Ram Bertram now. Yep. I really would. Um, yeah, I agree with that. You know, I'm, I'm, you know at the end of the day, we're here to give honest opinions. And, yep. you know, I like Ram, you know, and I think he might have something to offer us in a coaching role. But. Yep. As far as playing goes, I mean, I, I just, I don't, I, you know, I, I just think to myself, maybe it might be better off us giving him the free transfer in the summer. Yeah. You know, and if Danny Ings or, or Vestergaard that we're going to come on to, you know, if they can't agree terms or, or the club think that it's better to sell them in the summer with a year left in their contracts, then do it because... Yeah. At the end of the day, hopefully with those two sales and the additional money from the sponsorship, you know, we'll have about fifty million to spend. And from, from what Ralph has said previously, it's clear to me, right? And and Saints fans will laugh, but it's clear to me that he seems to think that he's going to be able to recruit five or six players for Saints during the summer. Right, because he has said, right, that he's determined to find one, two, or three players who are less than ten million pounds. Well, the thing is, Mark, I know a lot of people. A lot of people have balked at that. Said, oh, you know, you can't get decent players for less than ten million pounds. Yes, you can. Jan Bednarek costs less than ten million pounds. Stuart Armstrong costs less than ten million pounds. Or Romeo costs less than ten million pounds. James Ward-Prowse cost less than £10 million because we brought him up through the academy when he was eight years old. So that's four yeah. players There's that were less than £10 yeah. million quid off the top of my head. Yeah. And I, I hate to bring this one up, but Alex McCarthy was only £2 million. Pound. Half million. Four and a half million quid. Well, four and a half million, was he? I, I thought it was £2 million quid. And I'm not sure... Yeah, I think he was probably just on the cusp. I think Fraser was about ten million, and he I think was Victor ten. was ten million as well. And Marne, Marne yeah. was ten million quid. Everyone, so give a bit Foster, of respect there. Ten million. Ten million. Pella, Pella, and Tanage were both less than ten million quid. Both of them were less than Sadio, ten million. Holder of the fastest ever hat trick record in the Premier League, Sadio Mane. People, ten million quid. So don't tell people that £10 million players or better than £10 million aren't out there. They are. Hello, people. That was a few seasons ago, but I get the gist of what you're it's saying. Maybe. And There's it's a point well made. It's a point well made. Definitely. All right, moving on. Southampton, I 24 goal striker Georgios Giacumakis. Leeds United, Southampton, and Norwich. Keeping tabs on Barnsley Ace ahead of summer. Southampton track another SPFL talent in Ross County, Leo Yeld. Price tag set for Saints target Yang Akiara. And Southampton keen on summer deal for Harry Winks of Spurs. Another Spurs player? Blimey, that's slightly worrying now, given that we've got a couple of players that were linked with Spurs. 
So, over to you, Mark. What do you make of those? Well, what do you make of those ones? Well, I need you to go through because what what you've done is you're repeating yourself twice now. You've gone through the headlines twice now. But anyway, yeah, Georges Georges Geokumicus, 24 year old striker. So he 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 plays in the Dutch league for those that don't know. Um, my 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 general attitude would be. He's one of those players that's on the cusp in terms of that, you know, he's a year or two on from where we would usually buy. But he has got a hell of a goal scoring record. What you would wonder is, you know, he's a Greek and he's a Greek player. And you just wonder whether it would translate in the Premier League. But then let's remember people. You know, there's as I said just previously. You know, we we brought in Dustan Tadic and we brought yeah. in Pella, both from the Dutch league. Yeah. All all I would say is, um, I actually think that Pella and Tadic both came from slightly better clubs. This guy's at VVV Venlo. If I remember rightly, if I think back to when Kuman was in charge, I seem to remember Saints beat them quite soundly in the pre-season game. If I remember rightly. We have dealt with VV Velo before. Yeah. We've actually signed, uh, I think you'll find that Maya Yoshida came from that club. Yeah. So. Yeah, I was just yeah. saying they're slightly lower down the tree than where Pedro and Tadic came from, but it doesn't mean, yeah. it doesn't mean that players are bad. No, no, no. I mean, uh, look, if you're asking me, I would probably say no, Mark, yep. to be honest. Right, we'll move on to the next one in that case. Leeds United, Southampton and Norwich City are keeping tabs on Barnsley ace Callum Stiles. Uh, I know this is a guy you said you'd be quite interested brought him in, Mark. I'm kind of with you on that. Could be yeah. quite a good signing. Right sort of age, right sort of model of player we look at. 100%. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's, he's only 20 years of age. Barnsley yeah. are having a phenomenal season in the Championship. I don't know whether you're aware, but I mean, they're comfortably going to qualify for the playoffs. Um, And to be honest, if you look at last season, I mean, they only stayed up on the last day last season in the championship. So the transformation in the last season has been, you know, astronomical if you follow Barnsley. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on from that one. Southampton are reportedly taking a look at Ross County, 17-year-old starlet Leo Kjeld. The teenager has been impressive under manager John Hughes in the Highlands, making nine appearances alongside his first senior goal since arriving in January, and has played a combination of centre-back and left-back for the Staggies. Premier League Southampton have been taking note. Oh, mate, mate, let, let me tell you something. I've watched this lad, right? Most currently centre-back, he's Norwegian, he's bigger than a high-rise, right? Um, <laughs> the, thing, the thing is, is... Right, if we if ever there was a replacement, right, for Van Dyke, and I, I, I do mean it, it is that going that way, right? Because he is this lad's on an upward curve. All right, you might sit there and you might think, well, it's crazy, you know, but this lad's on an upward curve, and unless we strike very soon, right? Bigger clubs are going to come sniffing, yeah. you know. Yeah, definitely. And, and and I honestly, during the summer, I would try and get a deal done now. And 
the other thing I would say is, is you know, don't worry too much if Vestergaard doesn't sign a new contract because if this guy is on Saints radar and we're serious about him, then hopefully we'll be bringing him in the summer. I know he's still raw, you know, young, and he is raw around the edges, but he is that good, Mark. Trust me, I've seen That's him. Great. So get him on. So we move yeah. on from that. Manchester City are said to be looking for £18 million to part with Southampton target Angle Carrera. The Saints have been linked with a move for Herrera, who's currently on loan at Granada in the Liga. Interesting one, Mark. I think it's a bit out of their price range, but yeah. what do I know? We've got a bit of money to spend. Gr- Gr- Granada, I mean, I have to say he's had, a, he's had an excellent... You know, I know he's on loan there from Man City, and, you know, they might drive a bit of a hard bargain with us, but... He has had a phenomenal season with Granada. I just, I just think, Mark, that in terms of any price that's quoted for us, it is going to be out of our price range. Um, 15.6 million pounds. Yeah. And I, the, the other thing I would say to you is, is, as well, is even though he's had a great season for them, it's obviously subs, you know, he's surplus the requirements of Man City. Right, yeah. and you know one of the things that I always do with you, and I'm going to do with you here is name me a successful Venezuelan international that's played in the Premier League. There's only one that I can think of, Solomon yes. Rondon. Uh, yes, that that was the only one, but and and his his success was varied, I would say. Yeah, it's fair to say that. That's why there's no disrespect to anybody. That's why there haven't been a lot of Venezuelan footballers. There aren't very many, I'm afraid, that have been. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Southampton are keen on a summer deal for Harry Winks from Spurs. That's an interesting one, Mark. A little bit left field, if anything, probably. But um, is it overly surprising or is it sort of Saints reaching a bit too far? Right. So I'm going to lay my cards on the table here, right? Um. If we are interested in Harry Winks, yes, possibly for me. But if we were doing a deal, say, for Vestergaard, I'm going to mention his name again because he keeps getting linked with Tottenham and this other club yep. that we're coming on to speak about. But if we could do a deal with the hard news that is Daniel Levy, right? Yep. You know, uh, And I would say to them, yep, you can have Vestergaard if we get some money, and I wouldn't go for Harry Winks because I think I think it might be you know if we get a straight swap deal, possibly that would be okay for me. But the one that I'm most interested in, Mark, I've got to say, is if you look at Norwich in the Championship and the yep. the volleyed by a country mile this season, right? Yep. Oliver Skip would be a better option for me Absolutely. if we went in the negotiations with Tottenham about Vestergaard. Well, Spurs are apparently willing to sell weeks during the summer transfer window if they receive an offer in the region of 20 million quid. So well, it's not much it's what then ain't going to happen. We're not, we're not going to offer 20 million pounds. So it's either a swap deal, right? Yeah. Or, or they do a deal with us that includes Oliver Skip and a little bit of cash adjustment our way. Thing is, 
the thing is, regards to Spurs, Martin, we've had the rumours and stuff. The only thing that's worrying at Spurs' situation in regards to Harry Winks is the Saints are serious and Spurs are looking at 20 million quid. Daniel Levy, be, Daniel Levy being Daniel Levy, he'll be looking at Danny Ings going, 20 million quid, Harry Winks, Danny Ings. Mm. So, yeah, um, disappear very rapidly, Mr. Levy, is all I've got to say on that one. Anyway, oh, moving on from there. All, all, all I would say about that is I take on board what you're saying, Mark, but I do think it's slightly way to the mark because don't yep. forget... Vestergaard's still valued at £18 million. If Harry Winks is £20 million, yep. you know, fees are played. You know, they could meet in the middle and say, let's do a swap deal. It just depends how much Tottenham actually want Vestergaard and vice versa. Unless I suppose want to take Wesley Hoot off our hands for £5 million quid. Yeah, well, no, but anyway, going back to it, I'd still rather sign Oliver Skip, but anyway, moving yeah. on. Yep, so Roma rival Spurs interest in Southampton defender Yannick Vestergaard, and we don't even know what Liverpool think about Minimino. We obviously covered Minimino, Mark, so it just leaves you yes. with Roma rival in Spurs interest in Southampton defender Yannick Vestergaard. Yeah, Ooh, tough one for them. When I read this, right, I couldn't help but think to myself, where, have, where has Roma... Seen Vestergaard? I just, I, I mean, I'm still struggling with Vestergaard in the same shirt. Never mind playing in a Roma shirt. Is there by any chance? Is there a Danish teammate that plays for Roma by any chance? No, but we've got a Danish teammate that plays for Tottenham and and our old friend. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering <laughs> if Roma have actually got a, a, a Danish player playing for them. That might be why. It could well be, it could well be, but I don't know. In all honesty, either that that or somebody from Rome was at one of the international matches that Yannick was at and he tapped him up. (laughs) I think that's highly unlikely. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that this is one of the players that, you know, to a certain degree, even though I'm still not sure, you know, I've got to be honest, but to a certain degree, you know. Uh, Ralph has improved. Yeah? Yep. Yep. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Yeah, but, definitely. You know, let, let's see what happens in the summer. But I I can't believe all the Ferrari that's being made about Vestergaard. I really can't. And, no. and if it was up to me, yeah. I I would probably sell him, mate. I, I would be prepared to do it, honestly. If, if people are that keen on him, I don't have an issue with that. That's more than, you know, take him off our hands. It's fine. Not a problem. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, it, it's not for me either. You know, I mean, if if people, you know, wanna wanna pay the appropriate money, eighteen million pound as valued, then you know, let's do it. Let's let's go ahead and let let's do it. But um, you know, let let's just see what happens in the summer. At the end of the day, he's being connected with quite a few clubs and. Yep. You know, and the club obviously seemed keen to time to a contract extension. So let let's just wait and see what happens in the summer. Um, I've had a look, by the way, Mark, and I can confirm to you that Roma don't currently have another um, Danish player playing for them. But what? But one thing that I can't say. One thing that I can say to you is. They have an Englishman playing for them in the shape of Chris Smalling. I do. I do. Was it Roma that Ashley Cole ended up playing for Mark a while back? 
yes. not mistaken. But yes, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. So moving on, that brings us to the end of that of that part of things. So we're going to do a little advert for you again, and then we're going to do the two sides preview of the FA Cup semi final. Saints versus Leicester. We'll be back very shortly. It's Mark C and Mark H. Mark my word, they're here with everything in the Two Saints show. Right, so last part of today's podcast, the Two Saints preview of the FA Cup semi-final. Saints versus Leicester City. Ralph Hasenhut admits he will consider changes for the FA Cup semi-final after Hawthorne's horror show. Well, your first change would be just make sure everybody's actually up for the game and make sure they actually decide to play. Yeah. I, 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 after after Monday night, I would consider playing the kindergarten team yep. at the FA Cup semi-final. But, you know, let's see what happens anyway. Let's get on with the preview of it. Yep. So what have, what have you got to say about it, first of all? I was quite annoyed at the fact that when the draw was made, we immediately got written off. I got quite annoyed about it. Um, I'm quite annoyed with Gary Lynn Cruz. On, on reflection, reflection, I'm still annoyed. <laughs> on reflection, I'm still annoyed that we got written off completely. You know, we like look, we go into the game completely underdogs. I get that, but we got completely written off by everybody the second the draw was made, and it just got my back up. So my instant reaction was, I hope we stuff Leicester just to put it up Gary Lineker's jumper, basically. So look, on reflection, yeah, um, we do enter it as massive underdogs. If we're not at the races like we were at West Brom, it's going to be a Wembley horror show. It's going to be abject embarrassment. If we play as well as we're capable of playing, then we could well win. We are capable of doing that, but every single player to a man has to make sure that they 100% leave everything on the pitch. And they didn't do that against West Brom. And that's not good preparation for an FA Cup semi-final at all. But being a Saints fan, you have to be an eternal optimist. And I guess that's what I am. Right, right. Are, are we getting a prediction any time soon, or are we sitting on the fence? I'm going to say two one Saint. Right. Okay. So all, all I'm all I'm going to say is this, right, Mark? You need to deal with the Gary Lineker thing, okay? That that's the that first was, thing I want to say, right? Because was- he look. Hang on. I haven't got a problem with it. the bloke played for Leicester City. Right, you know, and, and I'm in my in my preview. I'm gonna bring home a few home truths here, right? And, and they need to be said. You know, they need to be said. To be honest, right? I mean, look at where we are in the league, okay? And yes, we've got the majority of our first team back now, and you know, we can go into the semi final. And hopefully give a good account of ourselves, right? Yeah. But yeah. but what what I would say as well, Mark, is Leicester City are currently in the Champions League places. Yep. Right? Yep. And yep. if you're in the Champions League places, that's a clear indication, even if they stay there or not, yep. that you know they're having a good season. Okay, and you can run through the spine of that team, right? You know, Johnny. So starting with Smigel in goal, Johnny Evans and Fafana at the back because Fafana only joined during the summer and he's been an absolute revelation for Leicester City. Right. Yep. Um, and and I would also say you know you run through the spine of the team. Tillemans, Jordi Tillemans, he's only been there, 
you know, two se- you know, he's coming to the end of the second season. He's yeah. been, you know, you know, unfortunately we're not on the same level as Leicester. I mean, uh-huh. you know, a few years ago I would have turned around and said to you that, you know, Southampton were bigger yeah. than Leicester. But because yeah. Leicester now have the owners they've got, you know, yeah. they're able to spend more money, plus yeah. obviously they've been Premier League champions as well. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I just, uh, it hurts me to say this as a Saints fan. I want this to win the game, right? I genuinely, genuinely want this to win the game, right? But sometimes things are written in the stars, right? And Leicester haven't won a cup final, right? They've never won an FA yep. Cup. And I actually think they'll fall out of the Champions League places again, like last season. Okay, but it's going to be a clash of the titans because both managers clearly have targeted the FA Cup from the third round. You know, and I say that having listened to some of the interviews that they've both given, right? And Brendan Rodgers is keen as mustard for to try and uh, secure some silverware for the good folk of Leicester. And And similarly... You know, Ralph wants to do the same thing for the good people here. And I I want to see the scenes yeah. of 76 again. Absolutely. You know, obviously socially distant. You know, I don't want us doing, you know, what, you know, the the, the Liverpool supporters were up to last night. But you, you get what I'm kind of saying. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I want us to do it in, in the right kind of way. Um, but my... My deepest worry is the COVID thing, okay, that happened at Leicester recently, right? Yep. Uh, loads of people have had comments about it. Yep, yep. Brendan, I think, has been quite tactical about it because he withdrew the players concerned yep. right, from the playing squad yep. last Sunday, and which fully they will be available this Sunday, yep. okay? And yep. all I'm going to say to you is, Remember, James Madison and Perez, along yep. with, I think it's Wes Morgan as well, and I'm trying yep. to think who the other player is, uh, Chowdhury, Chowdhury, the midfielder, yep. right? You know, collectively, they have let the good people of, of Leicester down. Leicester, uh, you know, since COVID... Leicester have been in lockdown the longest yep. of any any English city, okay? Yep. And I'm just worried that it'll massively backfire on us because yep. those three players, because I'm yep. not sure whether Chowdhury will play, but yep. certainly Perez and Madison will play some part in the game. And I, yep. I'm just worried that those those players will be busting a gut, Right to put things right with the supporters and the, yeah. and the city of Leicester in that semi-final. And, and I, I just I wonder whether it's going to mean as much to us and whether we're going to bust a gut on Sunday. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm saying, Mark. And the, the, inter- the interesting thing is hopefully Shea Adams plays 
right? Because the one, the one thing I will say is, I said it's a clash of the titans of the manager. It's a clash of the titans with the strikers because if Shea Adams plays up front for Saints in the opposite corner, we've got, you know, uh, in an yeah. show. Yeah, you know, in an playing for Leicester, and he's a striker that's red hot as well at the minute. So that will be an interesting battle in itself. But I've got to, I've got to tell you, mate. You know, I'm I'm fed up with coming on here and trying to be on the sunny side and yeah. wins and draws for Saints, yeah. even when you know that yeah. it's not happening, right? And, and yes, there is a little bit of me basing it on the performance on Monday night, but I'm going, to, I'm going the opposite to you. I'm going 2-1 Leicester, because Leicester yeah. actually hold the record at the minute in the Premier League for scoring the most goals in the last 15 minutes of games. Yeah, and that's... Um, so there, there you go, you see, you give a Saints perspective and I give the Leicester perspective. Saints have, Saints have probably conceded more goals in the last 15 minutes of games than any other team this season, to be fair. <laughs> so, you know, in fairness, if you want to balance it, it out, there you go. It hurts me to say that, Mark, because I want to, you know, even though I know there's going to be restrictions to it, I want to see the celebrations. I want to have a good feel, fa- a good feel factor for the city. I want the Sears win the FA Cup. I'm a Saints fan, but honestly, after Monday, can I see it? No, I can't. And and you look at where we are in the table compared to where they are, and and I know we've beaten them before. Of course, we have, right? But again, you look at the you know you look at the league game, right? Yeah. And obviously, they beat us up at Leicester. We've yet to play. Ironically, second game back from the semi-final. So after we've played Tottenham away, we're due to play Leicester on the 1st of May. So that will be interesting at home to see what the outcome of that is. But hand on heart, I genuinely think Leicester will beat us 2-1. Yeah, my prediction is based on being an eternal optimist as a Saints fan (laughs) and more in hope than expectation, to be fair. I mean, as as I said, come on you Saints, because I want them to do it. But how much more can I see it? No. Am I I'm not going to be there to see it? Yes, I am. Oh, yes. No no disrespect, Mark, but I'll be even more kind of, you know, that I'm not going to the semi-final. And potentially, as we spoke about before we did the pod, you know, potentially, even if we get there to the final, there's the chance that I won't be able to go to that. And, And that breaks me, to be honest with you, mate. So, yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from on that. But, yeah, for me, I'm, I'm gutted we won't be able to see it. Um, but, obviously, I'll be more gutted if we lose. So, you know. Mind you, mate, I'm watching it in good company. There's no no set of people I'd rather watch it with on Sunday. Yeah, I, I wish we were to see it. But we'll, we'll, we'll do what we can. We'll do the best. Yeah, we'll no, exactly, best. exactly. You know, you gotta you got to try and remain upbeat about it. You know, I've given honest assessment, but that doesn't mean to say that. I mean, I'll, I'll be over the moon if we get to the final, mate. Over the moon. Even and, if, and if even, we go that step further, even better. Oh, absolutely. No, no, I totally agree with you on that. And the, the bottom line as well is, um, even if we don't, don't do an awful lot more for the rest of this season, 
this one game, Saints. Give it absolutely bloody everything. Leave it on the pitch. 100%. Leave everything on the pitch. Even if it means you're struggling in your next game, leave everything on the pitch. Give it absolutely everything you've got. Because you've got the opportunity here to write history for this team. But they but they know that, Mark. They yeah. know that. And it, know that. It, it, it's, it's entirely up. up to them. It's Point entirely up to them. My take but, on it you is. Know, at the 90 minutes, I want to be... I want them to be falling down from exhaustion, to be honest with you. You know? I'm not bothered what happens for the rest of the season. They need to give it 110% in this game, if nothing else. Even if they do. It's a one-off game. You give it 110% in this game. I don't care what you do for the rest of the season right at this moment in time. This, this is the most important game so far this season. Yeah. On Sunday. This is this season's game. This is a season-making game. It, it, not a season-making game from the point of view it enables us to stay up. It's a season-making game because you get something really positive out of the season if you get to a final and go one step further. And if your players can't lift themselves for a one-off occasion like this, then they don't deserve to be there. So in short, anyway, people, in short, people, Mark's going for a 2-1 Saints. And unfortunately, I'm going for a 2-1 Leicester win. And I hope I'm wrong. The other prediction I want to say from your point of view is a 3-2 Saints win. But maybe that's not going to happen. But anyway, uh, uh, I'll let Mark wrap it up. But I just want to say to you all, thanks for listening. And I hope that you've enjoyed the podcast. Yeah, absolutely right. Yep, same thing. I'll totally echo that, Mark. And um, all that's left to me to say is don't forget to um, act the ways to access the podcast obviously uh, the the ways we normally tell you know your message in a minute will be an automate one telling you how to access all of that and also the only other thing to say is the email address for the podcast show which is the two saints podcast show at outlook.com that's for any future features you'd like to see or any questions you might have give us any feedback as well positive or negative let us know if you're enjoying what we're doing and the only other thing left to say is please join us again next week when the two saints go marching in again come on you saints me.